Uh, glad to have you here tonight. And I want to give a shout out to May Breeden. She's afraid of the ice. May, it's 55 degrees out. There is no more ice out here. Uh, it is safe to come out of your house. Uh, so I'll look for you on Sunday morning, girl. All right. She wanted a shout out, so we gave her a shout out. And we'll let our young people be dismissed for children's Bible times. Uh, everyone, uh, head to your classes. Take your Bibles this evening. You're stuck with me. Turn to Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8. There are a number of proposals coming up for the annual meeting on Sunday. They have been posted in the back. This seems a little heavy-handed to me tonight. Uh, Just Maybe it's just me. So, uh, take a look at the back uh, wall and a lot of missionaries' proposals. I think there's, uh, I don't know, $12,000, $13,000 in... Uh, missions uh, projects and stuff back there and then a couple of other other items a missionary on for support uh, those are in the back they'll be a part of the annual meeting on Sunday we're in Ezra chapter 9 or chapter 8 this evening uh, I've entitled this the journey home uh, the journey home I had a call to rebuild uh, Ezra is all about that and uh, how many people responded what percent Somebody tell me, 3%, okay, I see fingers going up, 3% of the people responded, and uh, they started to rebuild, uh, They uh, 60 years went by, and uh, that 3% got paganized, they just stopped, uh, it stopped altogether, and so they uh, called a revival, they had the preachers in, uh, Haggai, Zechariah, and uh, they started preaching, and the people were inspired to get back to the work. Between chapter uh, 5 and chapter 6, there were 60 years. Now, between chapter 7 and chapter 8, there are 56 years. Uh, The temple has been completed. Uh, 56 years after the temple completion is where we are this evening. Ezra is in Babylon, and he is making plans uh, to go to the mission field to check on the work, to see what is done, to encourage. And that's what chapter 8 is going uh, to cover. Why leave? Why this pilgrimage? Why now? Uh, So It's pretty clear uh, from reading in this passage that is to the honor and glory of the Lord. And everything that we do should be to the honor and glory of the Lord. It's not for ourselves and not that we would be uplifted. The Lord is not going to share His glory with another. And it's important to be able to say, God did it. I was a vessel. I was there. God allowed me to be part of what he was doing. But we are, we are part. He is the one that is doing that. <clears throat> uh, it is not about self. It's not about me. It's not about Ezra. Ezra is a low-key, low-profile uh, in the background kind of guy, just a normal guy. He's not Apostle Paul uh, that is out there. He's just a normal guy. And God uses normal people who will give him the glory. 
And so if you're willing to give God the glory, God will allow you to, to, to see and be a part of some amazing things. Each of us, and there's a broader lesson here in Ezra chapter 8. So Ezra is planning on going to Jerusalem. He is nearing the end of his earthly life, and he is looking towards his eternal reward. And so a larger lesson in chapter 8 is the fact that, Rick, you and I aren't getting younger. And uh, there is definitely a lot more time behind us than there is in front of us. Uh, we We are well beyond halfway. And as we, as we traverse life, we should remember that every day is a gift from God and every day should be lived for the Lord. Now, I am, uh, in just a couple of weeks, I'll be 63 years of age. Uh, Carol's father passed away when he was 59. That's sobering. Uh, it was a shock to us. Uh, who was it? He was, a, he was in the church. He was a soul winner. He was a song leader. Uh, he loved the Lord. He was there. Uh, if you needed work done, he was a man to call. Uh, he just, he would do anything for anybody. He was, he was not, uh, he was not Apostle Paul. He was an Ezra. He was a guy that just got things done. Uh, he didn't want the limelight, didn't need to be in the spotlight. He just, he was just out there just constantly doing it. But at 59 years of age, the Lord called him home. And we, we were absolutely shocked. Absolutely shocked. I remember Mrs. Bishop uh, came home that night. I said, come on over and sit on the couch. And she sat down. And I had to tell her that her dad had passed away. And, and I still remember her response. No. Uh, absolute shock to all of us. But it shouldn't be. I mean, we, we look at one another and our, our hair is getting gray, Mr. Frank. It, it just is. Uh, Mr. Frank says, I'm glad to have hair. Uh, brother, brother Ray would probably like to have a little bit of that. <clears throat> but uh, we look at one another and we say, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm getting old. I'm getting older. I was at the uh, uh, police station this week and one of the young sergeants, he's 35 years of age. Now you can grow a beard now in police work. And so he's growing a beard and uh, he's got a, he's got a blondish brown hair. Uh, a good-looking fellow, and his beard has come in, and it's all gray. And so uh, I sat in roll call this week, and he said, uh, my beard has come in gray. <laughs> I kind of chuckled. And he said, uh, he's saying to the guys in roll call, he said, I go uh, to a place out to eat, and they ask me if I want the senior citizen's discount. What am I supposed to say? And I said, Say yes. <laughs> That's what I said. Say yes. Absolutely. I want the senior citizen's discount. And he looked over at me and his mouth dropped open and everybody in the room erupted in laughter. <clears throat> but a gray hair and a beard tells us we're not going to be here forever. Are you paying attention? We were out soul winning several years ago on, 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 the, on uh, uh, Kings Highway here. And uh, right across the street from Mrs. where Mrs. Price lived, just up the street from the Huntington Metro Station, I think it was Frank and I. I knocked on a fellow's door. He came to the door, and I tell you what, his hair was his head was snow white in here. And I said, uh, it was just stark. And I looked at him, and I, I pointed at his head, and I said, man, you've got gray hair. God sent you a lot of warnings. Uh, you better you better be paying attention. So chapter eight 
is not only Ezra coming down to the end of his life, going to Jerusalem, but as a Christian coming to the end of life, uh, we don't know what that day may be. We should be planning our trip to New Jerusalem. Uh, Just a lot of good stuff in Ezra chapter 8. Let's pray and we'll look at the text. Father, I thank you for uh, your love for us. I thank you for this amazing uh, chapter in Scripture that reminds us, no matter how old we are, that you have a task for us and that we should be looking forward to that. But not only that, that we should be looking towards our eternal reward and that someday uh, what we've done here on this earth uh, is not going to amount to a hill of beans unless it has been done for the honor and glory of the Lord. And so I pray that we would leave behind a legacy, uh, that we would leave behind lives that have been touched by the gospel. And we would inspire uh, others uh, to go and serve and be, be a part of the great work uh, that you are doing around the world. And uh, we'll praise you for what you do in our hearts this evening as we look to you and praise you and worship you in Jesus Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> As is a pretty typical in the last several chapters of Ezra, chapter 8, the first paragraph, the first 14 verses, are a boatload of names. <clears throat> uh, there are, and we're not going to read them. Now, we'll start at verse 1. These are now the chief of their fathers. This is the genealogy of them that went up with me from Babylon in the reign of Artaxerxes the king. And in these 14 verses are the names of men and families that were challenged to follow God and do something for God. If you do the math, and you can do the math, and you can come with me next week and say, Pastor, my math difference in your, is different than yours. I'll give you that. Math is not my strongest subject. But it appears to me from going through the names and the genealogies that there are approximately 1,500 men that went with him to, to do the work. And that's why I say it's important to inspire others. Sunday school teachers, it's important to inspire others. That's why we have people going into the nursery, ministering to those little kids, because in 20 years... They're going to be the leaders. 20 years, uh, Brother Oldenburg and I will probably not be on the scene anymore. And it is important for us to inspire the next generation, these 1,500 names. But not only are they 1,500 names, but with women and children, I would guesstimate that there are between six and 7,000 people that are recognized in these 14 verses. I just say that because God put that here in chapter 8 for a reason. You are not just a number. He put the names there. And God knows you. He knows your name. He knows where you're laboring. And you may appear, it may appear to you, that you are laboring in obscurity. But you are not. These people... If, if, I, if we read their names, you'd say, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? But God saw that, and he put their names here 
in in this scripture for us to consider. We and there are with chapter eight, there are several New Testament parallels. So these folks are leaving Babylon and they're looking to the new temple at Jerusalem. You go to the New Testament in Hebrews chapter eleven. Oh, it tells us that they, these folks, Old Testament folks, and we should be, they were seeking a new city. They were seeking a city whose foundation and builder and maker were God. And we sing the song, a holy and beautiful city whose builder and ruler is God. John saw descending from heaven while exile in, in, in exile in Patmos he trod. Its high massive walls are of jasper. The city itself is pure gold. And when my veiled temple here is folded, uh, my, my eye shall its glory behold. And that's a great, a great, great song. And what does it do? It reminds us that our pilgrimage, our travels on this earth are temporary. And they are minute in comparison to eternity, which is forever, forever. Uh, we are particular in the new, in the new covenant. Again, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about we are part of a royal priesthood. Baptists, we are noted for stressing the priesthood of the believer. What does that mean? You don't have. Is that a Catholic church today? And I watch people going in and out of the church building, going to a priest to confess sins, to have the priest pray for them. And I thought, what a sad thing. These people do not even know the basics of Christianity. And that is, you don't, you don't have to come to the lighthouse to see the bishop in order... In order to have him pray for you, you don't, you don't bring your sins to me. You can go directly to God. That is the benefits of the priesthood. You are a priest. You're a part of a royal priesthood. You can go to the Lord directly from where? Well, where are you? Now you can come here. Now you can do it in the parking lot of 7-Eleven. You can do it from inside the jail. Paul, Paul and Silas did. You can do it in the park or in the woods. You, you can, anywhere you are, you can go directly to the Lord. To do what? To worship. To desire that final foundation. So why did he go? To worship. To worship the Lord. To beware. In the very presence of Almighty God. And that's what Ezra desires. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 23 says, The Apostle Paul, For I am a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart, and to be with Christ, uh, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. I read that passage uh, because... What is missing, look at verse 15, got all these names, hundreds of people, up to six or seven thousand people going back, but who's missing? 
And I gathered them together to the river that runneth Ahava, and their abode, we in tents three days, and I viewed the people and the priests, and found there none of the sons of Levi. Now, now you can say, and it's easy for us to say, well, where are the priests? Why aren't, why aren't they out there? Why, why aren't they leading the way? Why, why aren't they going back? Why are they staying behind? And I'll just say, 97% of the people stayed behind. And they just looked and thought, you know what? These people need the gospel. What, what causes a, a Jed Duarte to go to Brazil? Because there are people there that need the gospel. I have a sneaking suspicion. If you went to many of our missionaries and you said, I'll give you, I'll give you a choice. You can come back to the United States and live in comfort and ease or stay there on the field and minister to those people. They'd say, we'll stay here. We'll stay here. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking as I look at this passage that I'm not going to condemn these guys because I don't know what's going on in their heart. And in chapter 8, the Lord doesn't condemn them. Uh, but uh, Ezra's looking around and saying, man, where, where are the guys from Levi? And they're, they're staying with the majority of the people. They need the gospel, and they need that. <clears throat> and the Apostle Paul again said to the church at Philippi, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And so, uh, Paul said to them, I'm, I'm staying here. I'm staying with you because you need me and you need me to be here. And I'm, and I'm, I'm getting up in age and I'm thinking, Lord, anytime I'm ready to go. But the Lord has left me here, Paul, for a purpose. And, and, I'm, and Paul was okay with that. And I'm thinking the Levites are probably okay with that as well. Make sure you're doing the right thing. Ezra was doing the right thing for the right reason. I'd like to think that the Levites, the Levites are doing the right thing for the right reason. And just be careful when you're critical or, or tend to be or have a tendency to be critical of somebody else because they're doing something a little bit different than you are or going to a field, mission field that you just don't think is wise. Robert Doolittle. Now we know Peter and Stephen and Philip and Lawanda. Uh, they're in Brazil. But when Robert Doolittle was in his late 30s uh, in Wisconsin with this big family, he said, to his, he said to his church family, he said, I'm going to Brazil to be a missionary. And they said, you're nuts. Why, why would you do that? Why would you uproot your family and take them to a third world country? And back in the 1960s, Brazil was not on the cutting edge of, uh, of technology. Why, why would you do that? And he said, because God had called me. His pastor even said, why would you do that? And, but he said, this is where God called me and this is where I'm going. And now, today, we have his grandson, Jedediah Duarte, in his grandson, in Brazil, as a missionary, because 
there was a man who said, I'm, I'm going to go and minister in a place that others are not comfortable doing that. Jennifer Minion, she was just here. She is the granddaughter, she's Jed's sister. She is the granddaughter of Robert Doolittle, who back in the 1960s again said, I'm going to uproot my family, I'm going to leave my comfortable job, and we're going to Brazil to preach the gospel. And he has left a legacy in churches. He has left a legacy in family that has stayed there. And now his grandchildren are serving the Lord here in the States as pastors. He's uh, he's got a granddaughter who's a pastor's wife uh, just across from the state capitol in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, He's got uh, children, uh, grandchildren that are serving the Lord. They say, serve the Lord. Why? For the honor of and glory of God. And that's what chapter 8 is all about. But don't suffer as an evildoer. It was April 19, 2022. Catolica, Italy. When 46-year-old Joe decided that he needed some items from the grocery store. Of course, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And the grocery store was closed. Uh, no, no problem. Uh, Joe decided to break into the grocery store. So he broke into the grocery store, not to get a Stanley Cup. He broke into the grocery store to get, I would guess, groceries. And uh, probably a little bit of money, if there was any in the till. And so he got into the grocery store. It was really quite easy. Pried the back door and walked in. Nobody stopped him. There were no alarms. And uh, after all that work getting inside, he decided he was thirsty. And it was kind of, he was in the back. And it was kind of a warehouse type, you know, back storage rooms in the back. And uh, so he was thirsty, and he decided he wanted the water, uh, some water. Well, there, there, was, uh, there was some water. Uh, there was all kinds of bottles of water secured in plastic, and it was piled in pallets all the way up to the ceiling. And so he reached in, and he tore the plastic apart, and he grabbed one bottle of water, and he pulled it out. And when he did, that upset the whole pile. And the pile, stacked all the way to the ceiling of water, crashed down and killed him. The employees came in the next morning... And they saw this mess in the back. Well, they opened the store and they were stocking shelves. And finally, the boss said, hey, get to the back and clean up the mess. Oh, that thing fell during the night. And so they started moving water and moving water bottles. And and then they saw an arm. And they went, an arm should not be packaged in with the water. And they found 46-year-old Joe dead. You don't want to go to heaven that way. First Peter chapter 4, verse 15 admonishes us. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's business. Serve the Lord. Look at verse 16. Uh, So he's got uh, the last phrase of verse 16 says they were men of understanding. The last phrase of verse 17, that they should bring unto us ministers for the house of our God. Verse 18, and by the good hand of our God upon us, they brought us a man of understanding. God is still looking for men. Here in in Ezra chapter 8, God is looking for men who are willing to go and take that gospel message. Men like Robert Doolittle. Men like um, uh, 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 Peter Doolittle. Men like Stephen Doolittle who are down there. Men like Jedediah. uh, Men like Brother Minion who are willing to go. Men of understanding. Men of stature. Men of wisdom. men, Men of God who will take their wives and children again with the wives and children in this chapter, six to seven thousand people uh, that are that are leaving comfort, the comforts of Babylon, 
and, and going to Jerusalem. Uh, they're going. Verse uh, uh, 21. <clears throat> and so, what it, what it, you're going to undertake a journey like that. Uh, he's going to declare a fast. I proclaim the fast. And there at the river, again, you don't have to go to the church, to the priest, to the confession booth, uh, to have a private place with the Lord. There at the river of Ahava. Uh, There we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for our substance. Uh, He did. He was depending on God's strength for the journey. In that, verse 22, there was danger along the way. And so he he went to the local law enforcement guys and to the king and said, hey, we could use some protection for the journey. And he was even ashamed to do that because he had bragged to the king about God and God's goodness and God's might and God's power to be able to protect them and put down the evildoers. And it seemed to be contrary uh, to prayer to say to the local law enforcement guys, hey, or to the king, can you can you send us some law enforcement guys, uh, some soldiers along the way to protect us? There's nothing the matter with that. He, or Romans chapter 13, uh, the law enforcement guys of, of the, the first century Roman soldiers, and today our military and our police department is there for our protection. It is uh, they are ordained ministers of God uh, to help us. So nothing the matter with that. Verse 22, but Ezra's, he, he's telling us how he feels. I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way. Why? Because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against them that forsake him. So we, so we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. A king provided with that for us. There's nothing, nothing the matter with that. And so you think about a Robert Doolittle going to Brazil, and you think about the fact that Christian, well-meaning Christian folks said, don't do it. I'll tell you what, there are a lot of people in Brazil that are thankful that uh, Brother Doolittle made that investment. There are young children today that Brother Oldenburg pointed to, uh, out to us that are glad that uh, Brother Doolittle's uh, uh, children stayed in Brazil. There are children down there that are hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ and have that joy on their face, thankful that uh, the grandson, uh, Jedediah, and his family are there serving the Lord, taking them the gospel. It's often short-sighted of us to, to try to say, let's stay here and be protected and not launch out into an area that really needs the gospel. But when it comes right down to the end, the songwriter said this, When my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and his smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know 
Him I shall know Him by the prints of the nails in His hand. Through the gates to the city with a robe of spotless white, He will lead me where no tears will ever fall. In the glad song of ages I shall mingle with delight. But I long to meet my Savior first of all. And wouldn't it be wrong to meet your Savior without taking someone along with you to meet their Savior who came to know Him as their Savior because you gave them a gospel witness? Whether that's here at home on a Saturday or in a Sunday school class on Sunday or a bus route on Saturday, or a Wednesday night class, to be able to sit down with a child, with an adult, whether that be here in the church building, or in a park around our area, or over coffee and a table with God's Word, and show them Christ. I'm thankful for our missions program. I'm thankful for the Robert a Doolittles who answered the call and went. But it is there's a huge mission field right here in Washington, D.C. The hope for America is not Washington, D.C. The hope for America is right here in this book. And we should be about the Master's business, following the direction of the Lord. And so here's Ezra following the Lord's direction. And so he, in these last... Uh, several paragraphs, verse 24 down through verse 28, uh, and especially verse 28, Ezra is saying to the people, listen, you are holy unto the Lord. Be ye holy, for he is holy. I mentioned in the teacher's meeting, I mentioned to uh, some folks last week, listen, if I come to your house to visit and you offer me, you say, Pastor, are you thirsty? Would you like something to drink? I'd love something to drink. But you hand me a glass that's got a dead roach in the bottom, I'm going to lose my thirst all of a sudden. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not... Is that, are you, are you agreeing with that? Melanie's going, not only is she not going to use that vessel, she's not going to use any vessel in your house. Accurate? Probably so. Because maybe he crawled in the glass and just died in yours. Melanie and I think a lot alike, I think. It should, it should scare her. Uh, it certainly scares me. <clears throat> God's not going to use a dirty vessel. He's not going to use a vessel with a dead roach in the bottom. The importance of being holy. Ezra understands that. You're holy unto the Lord. What should we do as a result? Verse 29. Watch. Watch ye and keep them until ye weigh them. Watch the vessel. Verse 20. He's talking about the vessels. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you and you are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belongs to Him. Uh, They're talking about the vessels. And it's important to keep them holy. Your vessel is important to keep that holy. As priests, we are to be holy unto the Lord. As priests, we are to watch. As priests, we are to keep God's commandment. We expect the priest to do that, but we're to do that. Then verse 31. So we departed. So we, then we departed. To do what? At the end of the first month, to do what? To go unto Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was upon us. And he delivered us from the hand of the enemy. And of such as lay wait by the way. And we came to Jerusalem and abode there three days. 
The reckoning. These last several paragraphs talk about the weighing and the accounting of the vessels and the things that were brought and placed into the treasury. Again, every single thing important. And then the offering of the, the sacrifice. And then the reckoning, reckoning, the measuring of that treasure. You are a treasure. Uh, you are a treasure. And as you travel on this road that we call life, Every day you get closer to standing before the Lord God. Are you serving Him now? Here we are, 2024. Bulletin says, do more in 2024. What What can you do more for the Lord in 2024? There is work to be done. There is work to be done here. There are people who have not heard the gospel that need to hear the gospel right here. You don't have to go to Brazil to do that. You can. What would cause a guy like... uh, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say a name because we're, we're alive here. We've got several missionaries in Mexico. Mexico is a pretty dangerous place. What causes them to go there? One of our missionaries shared uh, in Mexico they, that somebody broke into their house while, while their wife was there and a and child was there. They were in danger. What would cause them to do that? Glory of the Lord. Obedience to God. To go where God has called you to be. To do what God has called you to do. To get busy and do it. And let the Lord protect you. As, again, the parallels to Ezra chapter 8 in the New Testament. One, a glaring one is Hebrews chapter 11. And as these Old Testament saints look towards their eternal reward, a soul, so should we. So should we. There's a holy and beautiful city whose builder and ruler is God. John saw it descending from heaven when Patmos in exile he trod. Its high massive wall is of jasper. The city itself is pure gold. And when my, my frail tent here is folded, mine eye shall its glory behold. No sin is allowed in that city, and nothing defiling or mean. No pain and no sickness can enter, no crepe on the doorknob is seen. Earth's sorrows and cares are forgotten, no tempter is there to annoy. No parting words ever are spoken. There's nothing to hurt or destroy. No heartaches are known in that city. No tears ever moisten the eyes. There's no disappointment in heaven. No envy and strife in the sky. The saints are all sanctified holy. They live in sweet harmony there. My heart is now set on that city, and someday its blessings I'll share. My loved ones are gathering yonder. My friends too are passing away. And soon I shall join their bright number. 
and dwell in eternity's day. They're safe now in glory with Jesus. Their trials and battles are past. They overcame sin and the tempter. They've reached that fair city at last. In that bright city, pearly white city, I have a mansion, a harp, and a crown. Now I am watching, waiting and longing for that bright city that's soon coming down. Ezra made the journey to Jerusalem. Someday you and I will do the same. I want to stand before the Lord and hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Father, I pray that you'd help us to set our sights on eternity. And that it would change the way that we live in the here and now on this earth. Help us to measure each step in accordance with the light of your word. We pray and we'll praise you throughout all eternity for your grace, for your wisdom, for your salvation. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You have a prayer request card? Send that to the aisle.